Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that likes to refer to itself in third person. It creates confusion, especially with the muggles. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. What's up? Um, well, how's your week been? Uh, crazy. I've been super busy lately with just work and uh, either just like housework or just like family obligations and stuff. So I've honestly not done a lot of nerdy stuff. I haven't really watched or read as much cool stuff as I wish that I have. Uh, how's your week? How's your, your week been? Uh, well, my week's been busy, busy enough that I didn't realize that I was literally like getting ready to record. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's been a week since we sat down to record. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was Same suddenly here. like, Oh, Hey, it's show night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I did get a chance to watch a little bit. Um, I will say that, um, uh, at the time of this recording, it is August 5th, which means The Suicide Squad releases tomorrow. So that oh, yeah. next week, I plan on having my full review. Um, Absolutely. You do as well, and we can talk about it. Um, I can say this, and there's something I don't understand about the internet and trolls, is I don't understand why people want to troll things. I don't understand <laughs> it. I'm starting to get to the point where I just don't get it, because... Like, yep. So when the first Suicide Squad movie came out, the critics hated it. And I feel like there was kind of a split with the fans. Like most people were like, yeah, I see where they're going. It was pretty good. I liked it, that kind of thing. And some people just didn't like it. It was it, but there really wasn't a, everyone loved it. It was more of a I kind of I kind of dig it. I get it. And then there was the I didn't like it. It wasn't like just massive hate this time around. The critics have been raving about it. OK. And like the ones who've gotten to see it early have been raving about this Suicide Squad, massive improvements, you know, that kind of stuff, like big, like, like stuff that you're just like, oh, sweet, you know, like that's good to hear. And like all of the important ones, and when I say the important ones, I'm referring to like comicbook.com and IGN and the ones that like focus on the, you know, the ones that trashed it before are turning around like this one's amazing. It's great. It's a fun ride. You guys are going to love it. You know, that kind of thing. But some of the fan backlash already for some people who've gotten to see it have like are already trolling the movie. And I don't get it at all. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just to create that negative buzz, because why not? Or what it is. I really I just don't understand it. I really I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I know there's like crazy movements where people will like like hundreds of people will spam uh, Rotten Tomatoes with negative reviews to try to like, you know, take certain movies down and stuff. I did, I have honestly wasn't aware that this was going on with suicide squad. Um, and I'm kind of interested now to research it and figure out like, is this just trolling? Like, is this people just trying to 
make fun of the movie and uh, spam certain things up just for a laugh? Or is it people with some weird vendetta against the movie? Like it makes me really interested, but either way um, I'm definitely going to be watching this movie. I'm super excited. Um, And it's actually just talking about it is making me want to go back and watch the (laughs) original suicide squad movie as well. Just like a refresher of characters and stuff. And yeah, I just, whatever, I don't know. I, you know, there's some things I've definitely said in the world that I don't like, but I've never sat around and just trolled something because I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been that negative towards a negative. Yeah, yeah. The internet. I, I absolutely hear, hear what you're saying. And um, I don't know if it's the most constructive use of energy because I've always kind of been more of a, okay, I didn't like that thing that much. So why don't I go? try to make my own thing that's better and not saying that I've ever been successful, like very successful at that, but it's just something that, uh, kind of more my mindset. And I think more people need to have that mindset. Like I'm going to create my own thing. That's cooler than this other stuff I hate, as opposed to trying to tear certain things down. But that kind of goes with our show where we always try to have constructive criticism and be positive and, uh, realize that all this stuff is awesome. And we're really lucky to enjoy all of this entertainment that's out there. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did watch, I did. Well, so lately the only thing I've really been watching is, um, we've talked about black mirror before and how like, We've both like kind of watched a lot of the key episodes, but not sat down and watched each one. And that's kind of what I've been watching lately as I've been trying to go back and go episode by episode and fill in the gaps that I have with that series. So that is really awesome. Like, I really like Black Mirror because I like anthology stuff, stuff. I like the Twilight Zone-esque-ness of it. But uh, since that's an older show that a lot of people have watched, I don't necessarily have to go too like on and on about black mirror right now um i was gonna say the only other thing i really got a chance to watch this week is the uh venom 2 trailer and i don't know if we were saving this for news at all but did you get a chance to watch that i did watch the venom 2 trailer um we can talk about that in a minute uh okay that's, sounds good. that's something we share we can talk about that in a minute let me give you a brief rundown of what i have watched um, like I said last week, I've been kind of consumed with the Olympics. So that's been kind of a focus. I've been completely infatuated with what was going on with the women's gymnastics team. Um, that was an incredibly emotional, like journey to sit through and watch. So, uh, mad kudos to those girls, man. They're fantastic. Uh, that was just, that was awesome to watch. That was like a, that was like one of those things that was like a movie. And I would say that in the best way, like it's like the team falls apart and then they come back together and they like score big. And you know what I mean? It was just it was kind of one of those like heartwarming, like they could have turned that into a movie and it it would have been awesome. That's um, awesome. So I've been kind of consumed with the Olympics, like I said last week. Um, I watched I started watching. Um, uh, I, I watched the first few episodes of the show on Disney Plus that I'm going to definitely say everyone should check out because I think it's really worth it. It's really quirky. It's kind of funny. Um, I don't really know where it's going because I don't know the book series that it's based on. Um, but it just completely has my attention. And it's called The Mysterious Benedict Society. Um, uh, Tony Hale is uh, probably one of the biggest names in the Tony Hale and Christian Schaller, are the two biggest names in the series. Um, and one of the guys from uh, Sons of Anarchy, I'm drawing a blank on his name, though. Um, okay. But uh, it's basically this... The best way I can explain it is it's it's this reality where there's like some kind of like global 
emergency that is like taken over the planet and you have a couple like like the <laughs> brightest minds trying to and I, I don't want to say a pandemic that's not the best way of word <laughs> I was gonna say I wonder what that feels like no it's right. going. <laughs> I, I say global emergency they call it they actually call it the emergency um, okay it's like and it's like one of those things like affecting your minds um, kind of emergency and you have a couple of like the greatest minds in the world trying to figure out how to stop it who's behind the problem like there's a lot of like weird coded stuff going on. Um, I know that's hard to explain and hard to swallow. You're like, what are you talking about? Um, but there's just really weird, quirky, bizarre things that you're like, what? Like, this is so clever. Like, why wasn't this thought of like before? Where has this been? Like, it's like this golden gem that's been like hiding somewhere that someone decided to make a TV show out of. Um, these kids, these kids have to go get they're looking for like the brightest minds to help solve the problem. So these kids are being tested like everyone's testing the youth because they think it has to do with uh, the younger generation. So uh, they're testing all these kids and the one kid goes to get tested and he uh, he's told to bring one pencil, one pencil and only one pencil. And he's walking to the test um, and you find out why the one pencil is really important. But then at the end of the test, she goes, I'm going to read all the names of the people who have made it to the next round. And she goes, the list is as follows. And she reads the one kid's name and goes, that's it. <laughs> and everyone gets up and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and, then he, and then he goes into the next test and it's just as weird. You know what I mean? There's like these really weird, quirky puzzles along the way. And then you get down to like these five kids. And like they have to go and they have a series of like puzzles they have to solve. And this is just in the first episode. And the one kid uh, like they go. Sorry, they go into this. They all get sent in this room one by one. And on the floor, the room is checkered like a chess table, like a chessboard, if you will. Yeah. The whole floor is like that. And there's a sign that says cross the room without setting foot in the yellow or black squares. And then you look and there's yellow squares randomly placed that are physically too far for you to jump to. So okay. how do you get a, so how do you get across the room? It is like you're just when you see how some of them take, you know, like one kid, I'll spoil a couple of them. one kid. Uh, she's a, cir a former circus uh, 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 entertainer. So she like tosses like a grappling hook rope or whatever across the room and hooks it to the other door and like tight ropes of rock across the room. One kid crawls on his hands and his knees, keeping his feet off the floor because it said, don't let your, don't set foot in a square. You know what I mean? So like there's goofy, oh, yeah. ways, nice. goofy ways to get across. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one kid, when you find out like the kid who I think is the main character of the show, when you see how he gets across the room, you're like, wait, what? And then he explains it. You're just like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> You know, you just like thinking outside the box kind of stuff. It's a really yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That sounds really fun, actually. But the lines, the dialogue is really funny. Like this one kid carries a bucket with her everywhere she goes. And when you meet her for the first time, someone asks, but like, what's that? And she's like, what's the bucket for? And she goes, it's for carrying things. Haven't you ever seen a bucket before? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's that kind of uh, dialogue that just has me rolling on the floor. It's really funny. Um, is this is this show live action? Yeah. <laughs> oh, OK. For some reason, I like I'm picturing it animated. <laughs> and for some reason, I'm kind of picturing it as like a weird anime thing in my head. But uh, no, I want to watch this. This sounds really uh, 
quirky and interesting and uh it sounds just pretty cool overall i have no idea and i'm sure you probably don't either like have any idea where the series is going but it just sounds interesting overall yeah i'm kind of like i'm kind of on a long for a ride and i really don't know where it's going so like i have these like little guesses and then the thing turns a little corner on me and i'm like wow okay um nice so yeah the mysterious benedict society just check it out i'm only a few episodes in but i'm having fun with it so far um the other thing that i watched was the uh, the new trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, I should have watched this. Um, <laughs> I knew about I knew it came out. And this is one of those things where I knew it when it came out and it got a bunch of hype. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to watch later. And as I said, I was just so busy. I haven't had a chance to watch it. But it is one of those movies that I know I'm going to watch. So it's kind of one of those like a new trailer isn't going to sell me on it. Like I'm already there to watch the movie. But uh, yeah, it would have been it would have been good to watch to have more to say about it. But what did you think of the trailer? It looks fantastic. And this one is like other than the teaser we got a while a long time ago. This is the story trailer where you yeah. actually have a good idea what the story's about, why it's focused on the kids, the link to the original movies, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and the girl, not Finn Wolfhard, the actor from Stranger Things, because he's in the movie, but the girl, who I believe is his cousin, what I got out of the trailer, happens to be like the granddaughter of Egan. Yeah, I did. Hear I believe about I believe if I re- if I was following the trailer correctly, that's what I believe. Um, but it's let me put it this way. It looks really, really cool. And I'm totally down for it. But you, they actually have the, the way the trailer references the original movies has me excited. So, um, yeah. And there's a yeah. surprise and there's a surprise at the end of the trailer. I don't want to ruin it. It's just a surprise at the end. So make sure you sit through all the way to the end. <laughs> so, OK, cool. I was going to say I've honestly heard nothing but good things about the trailer. So. I'll definitely have to check this out as soon as possible and uh, let you know what I think. But, yeah, sounds awesome. And then the other thing that I've been watching before we talk about the Venom trailer um, is uh, Halo Infinite. Uh, The next Halo game in the Halo franchise is going to be releasing later this year. Um, They are starting to go into what's referred to as it's a little bit. So when you do a video game or any type of computer program, you always have an alpha test where people come in and play it and they look for bugs and try and find the mistakes and stuff so they can be fixed before it launches. Then they move from an alpha to a beta, and that's a little bit more broader and open. And a lot of times betas get to go public and other people get to play. Um, You get to play a little bit of the game early to check it out and then find bugs because they're doing stress tests for their servers or they're trying to they have a map that's not functioning. So they'll give it to us to play with. So Halo Infinite is doing a thing called a technical preview. Um, You have to sign up for it and you have to be accepted. And what they're doing is is they're incrementally letting in groups of people to play the game early or a piece of the game early to stress test their servers, look for bugs, get honest feedback from the community. So that means not just straight thrashing the game and like this is garbage and the graphics don't look great. This is an unfinished game. Uh, 343 Studios is looking for constructive criticism. They want honest feedback. They're not looking for people to be like mean and hateful. They're like, if you respond kindly and be like, hey, you know, I see what you're doing here. This could be cleaned up. The gun doesn't function properly. You know, uh, I fell through this corner of the map. Um, You know, that's what they're looking for so they can clean up the game. Well, I signed up for the technical preview. I'm kind of on the waiting list at this point because they're incrementally getting more and more people involved. 
Um, yeah. But this past weekend, they had the first wave of the people involved in it uh, get to play. And a lot of them have posted videos online. The game, me being a big Halo fan, the game looks great. Um, I can't wait to play it. Um, I got to beta test Halo 3. I got the beta test Halo Reach. I got the beta test Halo 5. Uh, those are the only ones that they've done public betas for. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully being able to get in the test for this game. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I'm just kind of waiting, but the video footage looks great. And I've been kind of watching the game again, kind of like, okay, that's cool. I see what they're doing there. You know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, hopefully you, uh, get to beta test that. And I'm sure you probably can't even say a lot to, uh, you know, me or the audience while you're doing that, but that sounds like a really cool well, experience. The guys, the guys who are posting like YouTube videos and stuff are given lots of like, they're showing you what they're playing. They're straight streaming their games and they're giving honest feedbacks online and stuff like that. And, you know, I've watched a few of these videos and, you know, listening to what they said. So I'm just kind of looking forward to checking it out myself and I'll give an honest feedback on here. I don't mindset and stuff because that's the whole point that's what 343 wants they want the honest feedback from what i understand though is they're doing a there's actually a private place where you can go and type out your actual like feedback and stuff to them so um i look forward to it i um, do i do have a question about the whole uh beta testing thing um sorry to <laughs> interrupt you there i'm just kind of curious because i've heard about people beta testing and for some reason my thought was always well, I wouldn't want to do that because and the only reason is because I feel like when the game finally is released to the public and there's this huge collective like everybody's just, yes, it's finally out. This is awesome. Like, I feel like if you've already been testing the game, you kind of wouldn't have the same level as a, of excitement as a, anybody else or as everybody else. So I don't know if do you have any comments on that? I'm just I just well, think it's kind of an interesting topic that I've always thought about, but I've never asked anybody about who's actually done it before. I totally see what you're saying. Um, however, you are playing on a beta test. You are fit playing an unfinished version of the game and you're not playing a complete version of the game either. Um, yeah. so you're basically getting to see some of the cool stuff. Um, you're not getting any story modes. You're usually getting just multiplayer stuff. Um, so you can kind of see how the online multiplayer nonsense is going to play out. Um, where I get excited is I play it and I think to myself, man, I can't wait to play this with my friends. Like that goes through my mind every time. And then the other part of it is I just get to check out the game a little early and I don't get to check out enough of it, you know, cause like when I did Halo three, I remember running through the couple map. They gave us like two maps, I think. Yeah. It was like two or three, two maps. We got to run through, play those maps, a lot of uh, back and forth, you know, killing each other. And I started memorizing where weapon spawns were. And when the final game, <laughs> when the final game came out, you're playing with your friends. All the weapon spawns were different because we were playing an unfinished version of the game. Yeah. You know, so it's it didn't it wasn't the same. And it's like, oh, crap. OK, <laughs> you know, um, well, I think at least you got a bit more of a better handle on the uh, controls and stuff. I mean, I know. The Halo games, the controls don't actually diverge too much between games, but um, it's still like each one does have its own subtleties and stuff that you'd probably get used to before all your friends. So maybe you have a bit more of a upper hand in, in multiplayer right away. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe I just I've had a, I've had fun doing it and it's really just to check out something I like early. And it's there's a, there's a little bit of a thrill to that, you know, and you don't get to play it long enough to be burned out by the time the game comes out. 
beta only runs for like a short period of time you got to check it out you got to give some feedback you get to start talking up the game for the company because you're gonna be like dude you got to play this game when it comes out and then you have to you get pulled away from it you don't get to touch it until it comes out you know so yeah, 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 that's cool. No, this is actually kind of bringing in bringing light to something I've thought about <laughs> for a long time. I've been cur- curious about. So, uh, no, that's really cool. Well, anyway, let's talk Venom because we've talked a lot already. So let's talk about the Venom <laughs> 2 trailer. Um, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. It also looks way creepier than the teaser. Um, the teaser, when that came out, that was uh, that teaser when it came out. I thought that was creepy. And then I saw this trailer and I was like, holy cow, this is like borderline horror film (laughs) compared to the other one. Um, What are your thoughts? No, I think I think it looks awesome as well. Um, I feel like, okay, so it's interesting because the first Venom movie there you have Venom and then the uh, the movie's villain is also a symbiote. And now this one, it's Venom versus Carnage, which is another, you know, two symbiotes just beating the crap out of each other. And like, for some reason, I thought I was going to be on like symbiote uh, overload at this point. But no, I'm so pumped to see Venom and uh, Carnage duke it out. Like, give me all the symbiotes you have. (laughs) This is going to be great. Um, If you're going to say here's the thing, like, get back to your point. But this is first off. Everyone loves the symbiotes. They're like literally a fan favorite when it comes to comic books. But this is also the symbiote that we have wanted to see. Absolutely. <laughs> so whether you're on symbiote overdrive or not, this is the one you want. So I do, I do think that it's I think I, I agree with you where I bet everybody is like really pumped for Carnage. But if they do do a uh, third Venom movie. Uh, I do think they're going to have to have a different kind of villain just so it doesn't seem like, oh, it's the same thing every time. But either way, I'm super pumped about this. Um, I've been doing a really good job of watching a trailer and um, doing my best to try to forget a lot of the information they give right away. So like plot points, I actually didn't like try to commit to memory because when I finally see the movie, I want to want to have at least somewhat fresh eyes. But so I guess my biggest takeaway from this uh, this trailer is just the the imagery and the visuals are just it just looked awesome. Um, I feel like the graphics still look as good as the first one, but honestly, a lot better. And it just looks like it's going to be a lot of really fun, gruesome, cool action. Um, the other thing that I want to say, which was actually a question I had about the first trailer that came out um, I feel like they kind of hinted more at um, Carnage's uh, origin in this new trailer. And from what I've seen, it actually feels more in line, at least based on this newest trailer, kind of seems more in line with the Carnage origin that I'm familiar with. And that's kind of uh, I think that's kind of cool. And I think the first trailer might have been like purposely misleading a little bit with Carnage's origin. So I'm kind of really curious how Carnage as a character, how his origin is going to actually play out. Like that's going to be actually really interesting to see. But um, no, everything I've seen, I think it looks great. Yeah, same here. So I'm just I'm excited. Um, This just check out the trailer. It's pretty cool. If you're not a trailer guy, that's okay too. I get it. Um, But this is a good segue because Venom is coming. So let's segue into news with this a little bit Um, just to give you a heads up. So, yeah, we got on the D.C. side, we got Suicide Squad about hitting tomorrow. Um, 
here's the Marvel slate for the rest of the year. And this is nuts. And I didn't realize everything was this close together. So September 3rd, we got Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. September 24th, we get Venom Carnage. Uh, November 5th, we get The Eternals. November 24th, we get Hawkeye, the show. And then December 17th, we get Spider-Man No Way Home. That is insane. I know. That rounds out the rest of the year for Marvel for us. Uh, Doctor Strange is supposed to be in there, but it looks like Doctor Strange got moved to the spring. But that is fine because holy cow, is that a lot of Marvel to the end of the year? Yeah, I so. feel like they've put like a whole year's worth of comic book movies into like three or four months. That's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, but that is crazy. Uh, yeah. But really cool at the same time. Yeah, I know. Well, let's talk about the Marvel movies for a second, because there's something going on in the world of Marvel that's crazy. Uh, Black Widow is taking on the mouse. I don't know yep. if about this. Yeah, I've, I've uh, heard about this. <laughs> so Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney for the simultaneous theater Disney Plus release. And basically what's happening is Scarlett Johansson's contract for Black Widow for the black, and I don't know if it's the Black Widow character, like every time she appears in a movie, or if it was specifically for the Black Widow film, because a lot of times you get con- the way contracts work. Sometimes actors, based on their salary, they get a cut of what the movie is supposed to make. Um, so, but Black Widow, um, she's suing Disney over the release. Um, Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige is apparently angry and embarrassed that this happened. And on ha- and he's saying this is on the behalf of the talent and he lobbied against it. Um, but he kind of lost the battle because, well, Mickey Mouse is boss over there. Um, the catch is, is that Scarlett Johansson would have made like this. This simultaneous release cost her 50 million dollars um, that she didn't get paid because of the release. How that worked, because like an estimated 50 million an estimated, right? yeah an estimated 50 million um there's uh so let's see the scarlett johansson suit against disney may be the first of many because not only that um emma stone is considering suing disney over the cruella uh, disney plus release as well um but so the scarlett johansson is uh, possibly the first of many as bob chapik the ceo um goes to war with the Marvel star, Hollywood stars and creative fear at the end of massive back end deals. It's a much bigger existential fight um, that she's um, that she's leading, says producer Jason Blum. It's a very difficult thing to do. It's really brave to do. And she's fighting it for all of the talent. Basically, she's kind of taken one for the team to kind of fix a problem. Um, no one's ever taken on the mouse like this. So we'll see what happens. Um, honestly, there probably should have been something in her contract about the, Hey, we pushed black widow so long. We're going to do a simultaneous release. This is our negotiation. We're going to give you this much cut if we make it off of Disney plus, you know what I mean? There should have been something. And I think if they would have done that, she probably would have kept her mouth shut and not said anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I don't entirely know. So. It's hard. This is a crazy story. I've been seeing stuff about this all over the place, though. I don't know really how to weigh in. Um, I feel like I kind of feel like Disney started releasing stuff direct to video through their uh, Disney Plus app. And maybe they didn't 
think through all the consequences of that. Like, how are the actors going to react? How is, you know, this going to work and this going to work? And uh, I mean, it's kind of uh, it's hard to really weigh in because I'm just so far removed from this situation. But it's really interesting. And Disney's such a corporate like empire that it's just kind of interesting to see it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and uh like you said uh scarlett johansson is fighting the big fight for basically all of the talent so it'll be kind of interesting to see how this affects um i guess like hollywood uh actor contracts moving forward and stuff like that um this is just going to be a really interesting story to see how it develops yeah i know it'll be interesting um so Let's shift over to D.C. for a minute. Um, it looks like the DCEU might be moving on with the Snyderverse without Zack Snyder. And this has me a little worried, but I don't know, really know how to say about it. Uh, the reason I bring this up is that so with Zack Snyder creating the Snyderverse as we know it right now, um, he cast he cast Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. He cast Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Those two have gone on to do their things. Um, he's also cast other characters. Um, I don't know if he had a hand in casting Margot Robbie, but it's very clear that the Suicide Squad film that released the first one came out of what was essentially going to be this Snyderverse area of the DC universe. Um, it was specifically meant to hold that tone and image and all that stuff. And um, apparently Jared Leto was cast by Zack Snyder anyway, because he appeared in the Justice League film. Um, so I feel like there was a path that they were headed down. Uh, so you, as long as they're using Margot Robbie, that's Snyderverse influence. Um, the one I'm referring to right now is J.K. Simmons. It looks like he's possibly going to return. He's in talks. And usually when something like that hits the Internet, it's already a done deal. But he's in talks to reprise his role as Commissioner Gordon for the upcoming Batgirl film. Um, OK, nice. So my concern, I think it's great. They're like, yeah, we got to keep consistency. So let's use our actors. Yeah, we want that. That that's kind of a given. But my concern is that you take and Zack Snyder is not a creator. Well, he's not a creator of the DC universe. Let me make that clear. He didn't create that. He's using someone else's toys and he's playing in their sandbox. He's doing great. He did great work. But when you take the guy who orchestrated and kind of set the groundwork for the tone that we're all expecting and you remove him how is that going to look on paper when you actually have to try and put it all together? Does that, does that what I'm trying to make say make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's, um, it, it's, I think it's like, it's just disappointing to see if they're going to keep going with these characters and he's not going to be involved. Like I'll be really disappointed because I've liked, uh, the Zack Snyder movies so far or Zack Snyder DC movies. I should say I've liked them so far quite a bit. But um, it's just kind of it is the nature of the beast, you know, like when you're doing something with characters for a huge company, um, the big companies kind of able to do whatever they want with them after, you know, you leave that pro project. It kind of reminds me of um, kind of how, like, every time DC does something with the Watchmen, Alan Moore, you know, raises a big stink about it online, which is certainly his right to do. But it's also like you did this story a long time ago for this big company and the company still has the rights to those characters. And it's kind of just the nature of the beast, if you will. So, um, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I know. I just, we'll see what happens. I'm just, I, you know, I just want Zack Snyder to come back and at least give creative thought process, I guess. Like, you know, Hey guys, this is just how I would do it. Just 
I'm going to sit back here and watch, but just some thoughts, <laughs> you know. Um, all right. So moving on, we have I got a couple more stories for the night. First off, Amazon's Lord of the Rings series is going to premiere September 2nd of 2022. <laughs> um, oh, 2022. OK, I thought it was 22. coming out like September 2nd, like right before Shang-Chi sort of thing. Oh, oh, oh no. So next year. So a year from now. The cool part about that is season one's done filming, apparently. Um, so it's kind of like they're they've wrapped. It's going to be all like post-production work right now. And the season will come out next year. Yeah, I saw there was a screenshot from it going around. Of the, yeah, the looks screenshot. Pretty I can't I don't know Lord of the Rings well enough. Like so because Lord of the Rings is a book. And then what I do know of it in the visual sense is what you get from the movies. Right. Because I read the novels, but then we get to see it for live on the movies. Um, and because it's taking place in a different age or era of the uh, of that universe. I don't know. The screenshot they showed is of one of the castles, and I don't know the castle well enough to know what castle that is. Um, so I'm I'm in the same boat. I was uh, kind of hoping you weren't going to ask me, like, if you hadn't seen the screenshot and you were like, well, what was it of? And I was like, well, it's it's one of the castles. And then if you ask me which one, then I would just draw a blank and uh, be ashamed. But I'm glad it didn't come to that. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it looks it looks really gorgeous, to say the least. So we'll see if the show is actually good. But visually, based on that one <laughs> screenshot, uh, it looks pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, all right. And then this is I thought was really cool. Huge South Park deal. Uh, okay. Trey, Trey Parker and Matt Stone just signed a deal worth nine hundred million dollars that calls for the pair of them to develop. 14 original South Park movies that will debut on Paramount Plus, a new video game, and the Comedy Central series has been renewed through its 30th season in 2027. Okay, it's, awesome. That's huge and awesome, but that's huge. I just think, you know, I, I never would have guessed that at the uh, vulgarity of what, I, the vulgarity is the best way of wording it, that South Park can be, that it would have lasted this long. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. Um, it's awesome though, and it's uh, I don't. It's crazy how relevant uh, South Park has stayed for so long. But I think it's just when you call everybody out on their crap like equally, which is basically what they've been doing for so long. <laughs> it's kind of I guess that's kind of like their formula on how to stay relevant. Like nobody is safe from being made fun of from Star or Star from South Park and. Uh, that's kind of like probably why people are still watching it and why it's still great and hilarious. So, yeah. Right. Um, all right, man, I got one more story and this is a cool one. So get ready for the science story of the week. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, scientists see the backside of a black hole and prove Einstein's theory, general theory of relativity. Okay. So I thought this was awesome. <laughs> Einstein's 1950 theory of general relativity predicted that the gravitational pull of black holes is so large that they twist magnetic fields and eject light waves out the back. Oh, cool. Okay. With modern technology, science has seen this in action, proving it's correct. Um, all right. So according to the – according to the, okay. His theory uh, – Posed that this extremely massive gravitational pull was so massive that it twisted the magnetic fields and bent light waves near black holes. Um, 
50 years ago when astrophysics started speculating about how the magnetic field might behave close to a black hole, they had no idea that one day we might have the techniques to observe this directly and see Einstein's general theory of relativity in action. Stanford University professor and researcher report co-author Roger Blanford said, Einstein's theory states stated that because of how black holes warp space fabric around them, it should be possible to see light waves ejected out the black hole's backside as the twisted magnetic fields act as a mirror for the black hole. The theory was accepted by experts, according to the Telegraph, but it was never technically proven as it was always deemed uh, an unobservable, unobservable phenomenon. Uh, the team used special high power X-ray telescope to look at and study the black hole 800 million light years away at the center of the galaxy, far, far away. Haha. <laughs> and what they discovered was the light in the form of X-rays was being ejected out the backside of the black hole. Um, when they observed the data they had collected, they discovered that the black hole they were studying was shooting X-rays directly at Earth. That's totally normal, by the way, so don't freak out. What wasn't normal was that the team also <laughs> saw X-rays being shot out in the exact opposite direction as reflections thanks to the black hole's twisted magnetic field, which proves Einstein's theory correct. Black holes warp space fabrics so much that their magnetic fields are able to mirror light waves shot out of a black hole's far side. Without that mirror effect, scientists wouldn't be able to actually observe those far side, far side light waves despite knowing them to be there. Um, I don't normally read a full article, and I didn't read the full article. I chopped it up a little bit. You can read the whole – there's a full article on it on IGN.com, but I was like, this is cool. I have to talk about this because something Einstein said – I mean, aside from being super smart, legitly um, – Was proven, uh, basically. Was, was yeah. proven. It was basically like, holy cow, that was that was legit. It's proven. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think this story is awesome and really exciting for the exact same reasons you just said. Um, I don't I think I'm like, you know, one of the people that doesn't fully grasp even um, all the details of this. But it's kind of it's kind of something I want to look into. And it sounds pretty neat. Um, <laughs> that's probably about all, right. all I can say about <laughs> it at this point. But <laughs> All right. That's cool. Sounds neat. Um, I was just kind of like, whoa, dude, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's funny that you say that in terms of the uh, understanding. There's um, there's I always I always think that sometimes when you use the word galactic to like understand how big something is, like if you said on a galactic scale, I think the majority of the people you talk to do not understand how truly big a galaxy is. Um, so when you say on a galactic scale, they don't really grasp how massive that space is. And like, not that my mind is smart enough to grasp it, but <laughs> just based on the science fiction I've read and some of the nonfiction science stuff that I've read, I think I have a pretty good idea when you say galactic scale. Um, so it made, it just makes me laugh a little bit when I like try and explain some science stuff. Cause I'm like, you know, I, I get it. I can follow it, you know, but you know, galactic's pretty big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, no, I, I actually, I agree. And it's one of those things where, I think like I think it's hard to even grasp how big and it sounds silly, but how big the earth is when you really think of how much empty deserts and stuff are out there and like how big of a rock like we're on right now. And like thinking, I don't know, thinking of like trying to understand or grasp the size of a galaxy is just something that I think is I think 
probably very few, if any people can like truly grasp, but, but it's something that I know that it's just a galaxy is so big. I cannot even wrap my mind around that. Um, but my other question is how often do you say on a galactic scale? <laughs> like how often do you say that phrase? Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not a phrase I often say that much to people. Yeah. So I was kind of curious. Probably, probably two to three times a week. Uh-huh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just, I, so this kind of made, I started thinking about this because I always think to myself, like on a galactic scale, do you really truly grasp it? You know what I mean? However, I'm going to bring this into the comic book world real quick because there was a issue of the flash where Superman asked, um, the flash when he's running at his top speed, what he actually sees. And the flash says, this is the quote, and then I'm going to explain to you what this is because – and I sent this to you, by the way. I don't know if you fully read it, but it, it blew my mind because I'm like, wow, that's fast. So the Flash said, I can think at the speed of light. I can perceive events that last for less than an autosecond. I can run faster than time. What do I see when I run across the country, Superman? I see everything and everyone. So the big takeaway from that quote is what is an autosecond? All right. So (laughs) I really don't know how to break down how fast that is, like in terms of the decimal places, because I because that's really crazy. You'd actually have to see like the number of zeros. It's like the point and then the zeros with the one. Um, But here you go. It's impossible for the human mind to imagine just how short of a time frame that is. So here's some examples for comparisons. At 12 autoseconds is the shortest measurable period of time. In a single in a single second, light can circle around the Earth 7.5 times. Okay, so in a single second, Earth light can go around the planet 7.5 times. In a single autosecond, light would barely manage to move from one side of a molecule to the other end. Wow. Right. So when you say who's the fastest man on the planet and you even want to bring up the Quicksilver argument, please. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you could perceive the world in that speed, even light would appear frozen to you. That's nuts. (laughs) Um, That is wild. One autosecond is to a second uh, what the size of an atom is to the size of the entire planet times 100. If that helps too, um, if you were an immortal living in that timeline time frame, you would live out the entire age of the universe and the time it would take a normal person to blink. So okay, I'm just like that. I was just like you know when you think like galactic scale, we just can't perceive it, and it's like autosecond, like how fast, how truly fast that is, like. Good Lord. You know what I mean? So. No, absolutely. When you're talking about things that are hard to grasp. Right. That's insane. I, I do like the uh, description that if you could perceive time um, that fast, that uh, light would seem like it's frozen because that's just as a concept that is just so right. crazy now, to think about. Now, in terms of galactic scale and you want to talk about light speed. From the sun to the earth, it takes eight minutes to get here. Yeah. If you didn't know that. So I think I've heard it before. I didn't know it off the top of my head. So if the sun were to explode and theoretically, if we're all effing dead, (laughs) 
Well, we would be, we would all be dead. But if the sun were to explode and completely take out the solar system, because that's what would happen if the sun went supernova and exploded, how long would it take to get to Earth? Well, I just told you, eight minutes. So, uh, happy day, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's talk about some. I like. I like we're we're going from like this crazy esoteric science conversation to talking about Danny Trejo, who I love, but he's kind of like the king of a bunch of like B movies and stuff. And it's just a funny uh, transition. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, how about this? Let's talk about some fun stuff. You're talking about the list tonight. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, all right, Ryan, uh, as always, you know what to do, man. Roll the thing. for the top five. Peter, it's my pick for the week. Um, yeah, and I actually just spoiled it, so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. We haven't, uh, I was looking at our little fun spreadsheet that I've been keeping since the beginning of the show and going back, and we have done one, two, three, four, five, six. So of the 157 episodes we've done, we have only looked at the film careers of six individual people. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of weird. I was like, wow, we haven't done a lot of those. So I figured let's take a look at a move. Let's take a look at someone's body of work. And I'm like, who has a massively large body of credit? And um, I honestly don't know if there's anyone who could hold a candle to Danny Trejo, but we're going to take a look at the Danny Trejo movies. Um, he is a now I looked back at his credits because last week I said 406 credits. What I was yes. not accounting for when I was looking at that was 406 total, including the television shows and voice work he's done. There are so many TV shows. <laughs> There's a ton of TV shows. So I basically of the movies he's been in, I've seen 23 of his movies um, in terms of his television shows. I meant to go back and count them up, um, but I did not have time. Um, oh, yeah, I hear you. So um, I because I was going to I mentioned last week that I was going to give a count, like how many of these 406 have I seen? Let's put it this way. Um, I've seen 23 of his movies of his television shows. I know I've seen the majority of or at least watched some of those shows. Um, I'm just I'm just curious, like how how long would it take you to go through Danny Trejo's uh, filmography if you could perceive time in auto seconds? Like, that's the real question here. <laughs> Well, I guess it comes down to how long would it take you to blink? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, if I could travel in an autosecond and light would be frozen, I'm pretty sure I could go through it pretty quickly. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I like, well, for me, it'd be a little slower because I like to take my time when I blink. Like, I think people blink too fast. Like, there's no need to rush. You can let your eyelids uh, slowly scrape over your eyes. Right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. This episode's getting weird. No, it's all good. Weird's always weird's good. So uh, sometimes it doesn't always have to make sense. Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah, we're looking at Danny Trejo movies now. If you're unfamiliar with Danny Trejo's work, um, he is usually a background character or a supporting role character or he comes in for a cameo or you know what i mean he he doesn't always have the big roles um a few years ago there's a movie that came out called machete um that is probably i think that's his one that he's a specifically a um 
lead character uh, compared to all of his other roles. Um, so that was that was him in a leading role. Um, but it was just the movie was fantastic. It was such a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that one, Peter, or the sequel. Um, I watched them. They're weird and twisted and violent and gory. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I was actually going to talk a little bit about machete or machete, as you said, a little later. Um, I just, totally yeah, I'll, I didn't, I'll I didn't save it for my list. list but, I didn't uh, want to spoil a list pick, but just in terms of people looking him up, if you do look him up and you're not like, wait a minute, where do I know that guy from? That He's definitely a lead for that. But we're going to talk about some of the other movies. He's in, in so many movies, he's like either a cameo or just like a random um sort of like not like the true villain of the movie, kind of like a random henchman guy and stuff. And uh, I actually did find one or two movies where he was like a uh, more of a main character, part of the main group. But uh, no, it's it's just really interesting. Like this is a uh, this is a guy who like I feel like I've been seeing him in movies and TV shows my whole life. And uh, I feel like it was um, I don't know if it was before or after um you know, the machete movies came out that I started to realize like the persona of Danny Trejo himself and how uh, just like he's just a really he or at least he seems like a really cool guy who's been in just a lot of cool projects because he's been in so many genre films and so many just quirky, weird um, projects. And it's just he's just one of those guys that every time you see him appear in a movie or a TV show, at least for me, I always get a smile on my face. He's one of those just really iconic, really just fun character actors that I love to see and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a really fun list to talk about overall. Same. Um, and I realize that you and I are possibly going to match on a few of these for sure. Um, just because I know we've both seen them, but, um, and I know there's no way to not talk about certain ones, <laughs> but, um, he's got, it's just, he's such a fun actor and every time and sometimes you'll see him in a trailer and you're just like, yeah, I got to see this movie cause it's going to be cool. You know what I mean? Like, even if you know, he's not the lead, it's like, Oh dude, he was in the trailer. I got to see this. Like, you know, so, um, but yeah, absolutely. So, sorry, man. Well, this was my picks. So you got to go first. I have two honorable mentions. Uh, what do you, <laughs> I was going to say, I actually don't have any. Um, and it's like, it's one of those things I just said, like I've enjoyed Danny Trejo and so many roles, but I think there's, there's about like five movies that he's in that I feel like I really truly love. And I just stuck with those for my list. So, um, yeah, unfortunately I'm making you go first. <laughs> in that case. It's all good. It's all good. So my first honorable mention is, um, Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Um, <laughs> Danny Trejo's got like, this is one where he's just got basically a cameo role. Um, but the movie's really funny. Um, it only makes an honorable mention cause he's barely in the movie, but, um, yeah. So Anchorman, um, that's that's one of the ones I saw on the list, but I actually couldn't remember like what he did in that movie. There was a lot of the movies on the list where it's, it was like that was another thing is I wanted to do a movie. I actually really distinctly remembered Danny Trejo's performance. Oh. And there was a lot of them where I was like, I guess he made a cameo in that. But I just <laughs> I guess I don't yeah. remember it. You know, uh, the Anchorman cameo is short. It's it's just kind of, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's one of those like sneak ins and you're just like, Oh, Hey, Danny Trejo. And then he's gone. You know what I mean? So, cause I mean, he's not the focus, but it's like, who could we get? Like, what's a big actor that what, what's a well-known actor we can get to throw in here kind of thing, you know, when they did that movie. Um, nice. the, uh, the next, uh, cameo, I, the next cameo, he was actually a little bit more of a camp, more of a legit role in this is, uh, Anaconda. 
Um, right. That was one that was on my short list. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Anaconda, not the best movie, but I remember having fun watching it. Basically, the giant snake that eats people. Um, and Danny Trejo, he plays one of the jungle like poachers guys like he's hunting the snake, I guess, where the other the other he's not part of the team that's like trying to do the film documentary. Um, and so I don't know. It's Anaconda's fun, but it's it's not what you'd. uh <laughs> I, I vaguely back, remember looking back on it. The movie does not hold up, but <laughs> right. And I, and I vaguely remember his role in that movie. And uh, I agree with you. Anaconda is not the best movie, except when you're like 11 years old and you see it for the first time and you're just excited about creature features. And in that case, it is the best movie for, you know, at least while you're watching it. So right. <laughs> um, I guess I can move into my first actual pick if you want, if you want to. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So my first one, um, and this is actually where it relates back to we were just talking about Machete. And this one feels kind of like a cheat, but I went with the original Grindhouse. And uh, that's because between the uh, two movies that are the double feature of Grindhouse, between Planet Terror and Death Proof, they had a bunch of random trailers that are were for at least at the time, non-existent movies for the most part. And uh, Machete was one of those trailers and it was all about Danny Trejo and it was all, all about him being a hired gun that, um, you know, the person who hired him turned his back on him and ended up becoming the enemy of his story. And it was just like this really fun over the top look into this fictional movie. And it ended up being the uh, Machete movies. And I just think, I, I really enjoyed the experience of seeing Grindhouse and the fake trailers in that movie were probably my favorite part. And I think that's why, like, this trailer was the machete trailer was so much fun. Okay. And that's why I went with it. But the all the trailers in that movie, those I think are I like both movies. Like, I love I love Death Proof and Planet Terror, but I do think the trailers were the high highlight of that movie. Um the funny thing is, despite enjoying that trailer so much, I still haven't seen the other Machete films, and I don't know what it is. I think when the first one came out, I had like, you know, I had a group of friends that went to see it. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where, like, I wasn't able to go to the movies that night or something. And I just never I didn't see it then. And it was just one of those things that I haven't seen since. And. Oddly enough, like I feel like people don't talk about Machete a lot at the moment, which might be uh, might be kind of a bad thing. But uh, when I was looking through uh, Danny Trejo's filmography, I did see that they're making a Machete in Space movie, <laughs> which sounds oh, which sounds yeah, which sounds badass, and I it really makes me just want to catch up on the first two Machete films. But uh, yeah, that's my sort of. Um, you know, you can rip a corner off of my geek cred card here because, uh, yeah, I haven't seen either of the Machete movies, actually, unfortunately. Now, I know you're saying Machete, but I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Machete. <laughs> that's that's fine. And I, I'll I agree that you're right, but I'm still going to say Machete because <laughs> it's what I'm comfortable with. I guess yeah, I got you. <laughs> no, and, and you're specifically referring to the Machete trailer right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I totally agree with you that the trailers from the Grindhouse films are um, literally the high point because they're basically fake trailers for movies you're never going to see, except for this one, obviously. Because um, they're well, so I did hear that. Well, this is a long time ago, so I don't know if it isn't going to happen. 
I heard Eli Roth was planning on making Thanksgiving, but obviously oh. that never happened. So I don't know if that's still on the works or if that's just a forgotten dream. But uh, that would have been cool. <laughs> well, what were you one, saying? The one that uh, the one the trailer that I thought was just really clever. It was the horror movie called Don't. Absolutely. Um, and it was like, don't go up the stairs. Don't open the door. It was the simplest, dumbest thing. But you're sitting there watching the trailer going, God, this is brilliant. <laughs> and that was was that Edgar Wright who did the don't trailer? I and believe that's that one. Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. It just it's just so brilliant. You're just like, man, I should have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I agree with you on the Machete trailer for sure. Um, and that's I was confused at first. I'm like, is he talking about the trailer? Or is he talking about the movie Machete? Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, I went with Grand House just because I enjoyed that trailer so much. OK, but, uh, so let me yeah, I, need to, I need to catch up on the Machete series. Let me check this out because I'm putting this on our little handy spreadsheet. You're choosing Grindhouse or you're choosing the Machete trailer? Well, I guess Grindhouse would be the movie. OK, right. So it'd be. It, yeah, OK. Grindhouse is a weird. <laughs> it is. It's weird to to dissect which, yeah, what to put down. But I would just go with Grindhouse as a whole. Okay, that's fine. Uh, the re- yeah. And I noticed that I noticed that the Machete trailer is separate on his filmography from the Grindhouse film. But I will put Grindhouse down because it was part of it. If you went and saw the movie, you you know that's how it worked. Well, so. like, like I said, it's Grindhouse is weird because it's a feature that's actually a double feature with trailers in the, in the middle. And then both feature films with inside this one film were released separately on DVD without the trailers. And I'm assuming there's a version you can buy with the trailers now, but it's, it's, it's right. a weird beast that's hard to uh, classify in that way. Right. All right. Well, my first pick for the night um, is a movie called the replacement killers. Have you ever seen this? I no, I don't think so. Okay, I'm like I'm really familiar with it, but I have never. I don't think I've ever actually watched it. Gotcha. This movie's kind of cool. It's it's in the old. Um, when I say old, I'm talking like late '90s, early 2000s action films uh, era. Um, I want to say, you know what? Let me rephrase that. '98, uh, so late '90s. Yeah. Um, it's basically um, so there's a hired assassin played like by Chow Yun Fat who is asked by this Chinatown crime boss to murder the son of a policeman uh, played by Michael Rooker. Um, Chow Yun-Fat has, um, he's literally got like the kid in the sights, um, you know, with the sniper rifle getting ready to take the shot and has a moment of conscience where he's like, you know what? I'm not going to kill a kid. That's I'm that's I, I'm like, I can't kill an innocent child. And, um, so instead of killing the kid, he decides not to. Uh, he decides not to. But now he's going to be on the run because he's reneging on a contract. So there's this team of replacement killers to not only t- take the kid out, but then kill Chow Yun Fat at the same time. So it becomes this like chase assassin movie, if you will. So he's trying to protect the kid while these replacement killers are trying to kill the two of them and he's still trying to get out of the country. And then Chow Yun Fat uh, kind of seeks the aid of an expert forger um, played by Mira Sorvino. And she basically does um, illegal documents for people for trying to get in and out of the country, like passports, driver's licenses, that kind of things. And she gets wrapped up in it. And um, yeah, it's just a really cool, like just action film. It's like kind of a unique action film, if you will. Um, So 
Yeah, it sounds like a interesting story. Um, I can say while you were talking about it, I looked uh, I looked this movie up on IMDb and uh, I can confirm I haven't seen it, but I have like I am familiar with the movie, at least to an extent, like I knew about it. And uh, the third picture on IMDb is actually of Danny Trejo's character and his (laughs) I don't know if it's just the screenshot they used or what, but he just looks super badass in this picture. Like he, he looks like he's out of the pages of a Punisher comic or something like that. He just looks super badass. So, uh, yeah, it's Danny Trejo being Danny Trejo, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So they're placement killers. It's a cool movie. Check it out. I haven't seen it in a really long time, so I don't know how well it holds up, but I remember having a lot of fun watching the movie. And I do remember. Yeah, I did. I ended up picking that up on, I have it on DVD. Um, but, yeah, I just haven't seen it in a while, so I assume it still holds up because aside from them overshooting the guns, and when I say that, if you have <laughs> a lot of movies do it because, um, you know, it's basically they shoot the gun farther than the uh, clip will allow them to do, if you will. <laughs> um, but anyway, what's your uh, next one for the night, man? Right. OK, so the next one I wanted to go with is a. Uh another Robert Rodriguez related movie, which there's probably going to be a decent amount on this list. I went with, uh, the movie predators, um, the uh, Robert Rodriguez directed predator movie, um, which I like quite a bit. Like I thought that movie was really fun. I thought it was pretty good. And I feel like, uh, I've heard people give the movie a bad rap, which I was kind of confused about, but I thought it was a really good, uh, predator story i i want to say it's one of my favorites out of the predator series and uh danny treo is part of this um group that is on this planet trying to survive and he is just he's just kind of doing his badass danny treo thing and i think it's just because he uh I think really it's just the badassery of that character that I'm uh, kind of attracted to in this movie. I don't know what, what to say too much else, but uh, I mean, Drew, do you have any thoughts on this movie? Um, uh, Predators just refresh my memory because I'm I'm much more of an aliens. I know I saw it, but I'm much more of an aliens fan over Predator because they kind of share, like, I guess you'd say the same space, if you will, quote, uh, pun intended. Um, they. Predators is the one where they've kidnapped all the people and dropped them on the Predators home planet yeah. for the sake of hunting, right? Yes. OK, I had I, for a minute there. I was like, because I don't know if you saw the Predator with the one of Olivia Munn's in, but I'm like, Danny Trejo wasn't in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I did see uh-huh. that one, too, which I thought was all right. Um, yeah, I thought that was all right, too. But uh, and I know there's another one coming, by the way. Um, but no, yeah, predators, I actually enjoyed because it was the foreign territory part of it. Um, I felt it kind of brought, I felt it was like trying to bring back the thrill of the original with the jungle and everything, and then put it on a foreign planet. What made it weird to me was about partway through the movie when you meet up with Lawrence Fishburne's character and you're like, wow, this guy's been surviving on this planet for a while. That's when the movie got weird to me. Otherwise I liked everything up to that point. So yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. It kind of makes me want to rewatch it with that in mind. But uh, no, this one, like, I don't think it's the greatest movie in the Predator series. It might be my second favorite, though. And uh, oh. no, I just thought it was a I thought it was a pretty good movie overall. But like I said, I've heard people complain about things like some people thought it was too slow and stuff. Um, and it's not necessarily a very big scale story that's told in that movie. But I do think if you just watch it as like a really fun sci fi uh, monster feature. I think it's just a really, I think it's pretty satisfying when you get to, to the end. And, uh, 
you know, speaking of Danny Trejo's character specifically, he's just a badass through the whole thing. So, um, yeah, uh, that's pretty much all my thoughts on that movie, though. Yeah. Um, well, my next pick for the night, and I have a feeling we matched on this one possibly, um, and that is Fanboys. Yes. Um, yeah, we actually did match on this one. I, I figured we would have. Um, and honestly, thinking now, because you pulled out Grindhouse and Predators, this might be the only one we match on. I'm not 100 percent sure. OK, uh, but uh, so fanboys, um, I love this movie. You and I have talked about it a little bit, um, directed by Kyle Newman. It's about a group of kids who decide to try and steal a copy of episode one before it hits theaters so they can see it early. Um, the concept is just brilliant and it makes me just go, God, you guys need to make another, you know, fanboys. Um, but Danny Trejo plays. It's like the it's like literally like one of the perfect roles because uh, their van breaks down and they got to go see a guy about fixing the van and they don't realize it's Danny Trejo right away. <laughs> um, and he just played he's got like literally just the perfect like cameo role. And it's definitely one of those roles where, you know, that like the casting department, the directors, the producers are like, we just need like one famous like supporting actor that like everyone recognizes, but they might not know his name kind of thing. Like, oh, I know that guy. from <laughs> You know what I mean? Like with the yeah, average, absolutely. like the like us watch the movie, like you and I watch the movie and like, hey, it's Danny Trejo. But maybe an average moviegoer is like, I know that guy. He's from that one thing. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like when they casted him, that was the whole purpose is to put him in the movie. Um, but yeah, other than other than his cameo, I just love that movie. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, I really feel like I owe that movie a watch uh, here soon again. But um, that's such a cool, cool concept for a movie. And it like littered with the references and stuff. I just yeah. So I don't know if you have any, what you want to say about it, but. Yeah, we've we've talked about fanboys. I think we've given it really glowing reviews like pretty early when on when we were recording the podcast. But this movie's great. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's also been a long time since I've watched it, um, kind of like you just said. But uh, so I kind of want to have a rewatch. But um, no, this one's this is just uh, Danny Trejo's appearance in this movie was pretty cool because it had like kind of a. So much of his role in this movie was played for laugh, laughs, but there was some sort of uh, emotional development going on with a lot of the characters throughout his appearance. And uh, I think he was the perfect actor to use for this role, because if you remember, the characters end up running into him at a uh, biker bar, which just Danny Trejo just like looks like he's always he always belongs at a biker bar sort of thing. So it was a perfect role for him. But also, like, I don't know if this is spoiling too much, but uh He's kind of the Yoda parallel in the movie, like his character is yeah. kind of a Yoda parallel par- parallel, which is why he has one of the best roles in the film um, just from that standpoint. So, yeah, no, Fanboys is awesome. I really liked his role uh, in this movie. There's some really funny parts um, when he actually comes into play in the movie. But, uh, yeah, this one's just a really good cameo, I would say. Yeah, yeah agreed. Uh, so you have Fanboys rematch that throws it back to me so my next one for the night is con air did we match on this one no we we didn't um it's honestly kind of like i've seen it um and i liked it but it's one of those movies i don't know super well because i just haven't seen in a long time so i honestly i couldn't really remember his (laughs) performance in this movie sort of thing so that's why i didn't make my list yeah um so con air (laughs) 
Con Air is awesome. It was really funny. Someone posed the question to me. They said, if I could watch one Nicolas Cage movie for the rest of my life, if I was forced to watch a Nicolas Cage movie and I had a choice between The Rock or Con Air, I honestly didn't know what to choose. Um, but the Con Air is basically, it's a movie about a group of convicts that are being transported from one person to another on an airplane that is referred to as Con Air. Um, and they get all these, it's like the worst of the worst. Uh, it's like one trip where they're going to get the worst. It's not like, a, it's not like that's how it's always done. It's like this one trip is the worst of the worst. And it's littered with like massive like names. So you're talking John Malkovich and Steve Buscemi and Danny Trejo, for example, and Nicholas Cage. And, you know, it's, uh, John Cusack's in it. And, um, uh, what's his name? Chief O'Brien from Star Trek. What's that guy's name? <laughs> um, well, anyway, he's in it. Um, yeah, it's just one of those movies where like so many people are in it. And it's it's basically an action movie, and it's got these really funny bits in it. And uh, Danny Trejo plays a guy called Johnny Twenty Three, um, and and he's just got like it, the whole movie is really fun from top to bottom. You literally like you have the you have the it's just excitement from the beginning to end. My only problem with Con Air is at the end of the movie, if you pay attention to geography, it there's something that doesn't make sense. Um, and <laughs> right. this this one thing that does not make sense, and you're like, well, wait, how did that? That's not wait, what? Like, and it's it's one of those missing things, and you're just like, hold on a second. Um, otherwise, I really liked the movie, so yeah, Con Air. Um, yeah, put the bunny back in the box, if you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, man. All right. So that's my bit on Con Air. So. Yeah, for sure. I do think it's funny you brought up. I don't know the geography thing, but I kind of want to watch this movie with that in so mind. So geography. But, uh, do you want me to tell you what the geography thing yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Okay, so, at the, so at the end of the movie, the plane is crashed on the Vegas Strip. Okay, well, yeah. it's landed slash crashed because the pilot was able to get it down, but it still kind of like hit a building and stopped. John Malkovich being the main bad guy, Cyrus, drawn a blank on the character's last name, but Cyrus, Cyrus the virus was the nickname. I just don't remember his last, the character's last name in the movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage is like the good guy. So he's chasing Cyrus um, out away from the plane crash. The, the plane, cr the fight goes from that to like a, a chase with a fire truck. And there's a bit where he, John Malkovich's character is on the ladder for the fire truck and Nicholas Cage like lifts the ladder like up. So it's like the, the fire truck is driving, but the ladder is like extended like up and it goes through a series of power lines and John Malkovich gets electrocuted. Right. OK, so John Malkovich has got electrocuted. Then you cut to the closure of the movie and you see how they close the movie right before the credits. You see John Malkovich's body on a conveyor belt at a rock quarry. And his head gets smashed by, like, the crusher. Okay. <laughs> so the geography is, how did he go from the electrocution on the Vegas Strip to the conveyor belt at the rock quarry? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a plot hole there. <laughs> and, I remember, and I remember seeing the movie originally going, not noticing. And then later as an adult, I watched it and went, hold on a minute. <laughs> so... That's really funny. Now I really want to uh, rewatch this and know, and pay attention to that. But uh, no, that's really funny. I just think um, 
you've already mentioned overshooting guns on this episode and then just the that uh geography conundrum that you just brought up like i just think plot holes like that in movies are really kind of funny and they used to be things that you could get away with in movies before the internet you know now people tear things apart for the tiniest plot holes but this stuff was all over in the 90s you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah so yeah conair um i think every, i think everyone i definitely think it's worth a watch it's definitely a good movie as a whole just that weird thing at the end oh it has bothered me and i can't let that go unfortunately <laughs> so nice anyway um, so i guess i can move into my next one um i noticed something really funny about my list which i'll <laughs> i can bring up later but uh uh oh so my the next movie i wanted to mention i can keep this pretty short because we've talked ad nauseum about this film but uh, i went with from dusk till dawn which is just i think this movie is a blast like it's just really enjoyable in multiple ways um and uh in the movie when uh the uh family and the two criminals finally end up at uh the you know dusk till dawn biker bar craziness uh danny treo is kind of one of those uh biker characters at the bar and uh spoilers uh he's also i feel like he's one of the first that you see turn into vampires but i think that scene where kind of everybody turns into vampires is just kind of so insane it's kind of hard to tell but um no he's just like a really cool character in the movie and uh before watching the episode i was actually watching some clips online from this movie to kind of refresh my memory and uh danny treo in that movie has one of the funniest uh kills i think i've ever seen in a horror movie because he ends up so he ends up being stabbed by, I think, Tom Savini's character, who's like the weird dude at the bar who has like all these weird gadgets and stuff. Yeah. If you remember that guy. Yeah, so the, his like on his belt and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he uh, I'm pretty sure it's that character ends up stabbing Danny Trejo through the heart. And then Danny Trejo like bur- bursts into flames, has like that tiny like flame explosion thing that the vampires have in that movie. And uh when that happens, he happens to be on a pool table <laughs> when he kind of like combusts or whatever. All the pool balls end up like spreading out from under him and like end up going into like the different pockets outside of the pool table. And it's just such a funny over the top, like B horror movie sort of uh, kill. Like I just thought that was just making me laugh before this episode. But uh, like I said, we've talked a ton about this movie, so I don't want to go on too long, but uh, this one's just, this one's just a really fun, like really cool film in general, I think. Yeah. 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 And I would go and blow this movie up myself, but again, we've talked very heavily about uh, from dust till dawn in the past. So um, you can go back and listen to all of our episodes when we talk about it. <laughs> um, at any rate. So yeah, from dust till dawn, great movie. Um, so I, we actually did not match. So that means I have two, two picks that are not from dust till dawn. Um, so my next pick, and this is hard. I don't know which one I want to talk about last, but I think I'm going to go with this one. So my first pick, my second to last pick of the night is going to be a movie called heat. Um, have you ever seen this? No, you've talked about it. I still have not. Seen you have not movie, seen, unfortunately. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. Peter, dude, that we have listeners that are literally like 
hands on their foreheads, like shaking their head, like what is wrong with you? Um, well, I, I, I kind of wanted to do the Jim Gaffigan thing someday where I come into work and just like, hey, guys, I just want I just watched heat. <laughs> and everybody's like, you just watched that. That's when did that come out? So many years ago. Yeah, well, I want to talk about it right now. Um, yeah, I was just <laughs> yeah. planning on doing that sort of thing someday. So, uh, yeah, just saving it up, I guess. Yeah. So heat is a heist film and the best way a heist film could be a heist film. Um, it's about these guys who they rob like armored cars and banks and stuff like that. But it's like, it's like, I don't want to say it's mafia level, but they're like really highly skilled. They do a lot of research. They pick their targets like very carefully kind of thing. Movies directed by Michael Mann. Literally everyone's in this. This is Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Danny Trejo, obviously Val Kilmer, Tom Tom Sizemore. Um, like this is one of those movies where like every major actor at the time was in this movie. Um, this movie is very famous for the big bank robbery gunfight scene that happens near the tail end of the movie. And when I say uh, tail end, it's like three quarters of the way through the movie and it is lengthy, like running down the street, firing like machine guns at each other. It's it's nuts. Um, but they they very they have this amazing like armored car robbery, like at the beginning of the movie where they knock over an armored car. Um, and that's when the investigation from the police starts and they're trying to track down, track these guys down and everything. Um, and this, it's partial mystery, but it's also partial, like how are they going to get this done and getting their next contract and stuff? The movie is just incredible. Danny Trejo is a part of the, uh, the main team. Um, and yeah, dude, it's awesome. Uh, Robert De Niro is like the head guy for the team that like the, the villain team, I guess you could say. And then Al Pacino plays the uh, detective that's like trying to hunt him down and stuff. Natalie Portman's in the movie. It's one of her earliest films. Um, yeah, the movie. Oh, God, it's just so good, dude. You have to see Heat. I can't believe you've seen not seen this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. Um, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, can, I can't wait until you get to come on the show and go, hey, man, I just saw Heat. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Maybe I'll check yeah. if it's streaming somewhere. Um, the, no, the, you, you've talked it up on the show before, um, and I hadn't, I didn't see it back then either. But uh, yeah, I, I need to watch this one. It's, I think it's one of those must-watch movies. It, so. it might have made your list tonight. So, um, and Michael Mann's done some really good movies, but Heat's probably my favorite. Um, another movie that you probably might recognize uh, Michael Mann doing is a movie called. Um, uh, uh, Collateral. Tom Cruise and Jamie uh, Jamie Fox. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if you saw that movie, but that was also Michael Mann. So, well, I definitely recognize like I don't know Michael Mann movies off the top of my head, but I definitely recognize the name. So I feel like I've probably seen, on you know, a number of his films, but I just don't know him off the top of my head. But uh, okay. yeah, all right, cool, man. Well, uh, what is your uh, last pick for the night? Yeah, so I was gonna save Fanboys, not because I think it's. I don't know. Fanboys is probably my favorite, but uh, and I love that chief character that Danny Trejo plays but we already talked about that one but i'm kind of excited that uh this one ended up being my last pick and uh i went with desperado which um drew i know you showed uh sean and i our younger brother sean desperado and we were probably too young to see the movie but i've always just really enjoyed this movie from an action movie standpoint um i love uh i don't know antonio banderas as kind of the guitar playing like i want to say outlaw but i don't know if that's the right term for it but it's such an iconic sort of just like really fun kind of character that um robert rodriguez created for this movie 
Um, but related to Danny Trejo's character in this movie, the reason why I'm kind of f- glad this movie came last is Danny Trejo has a small sort of cameo sort of henchman role in this movie, but he gets to play the guy who throws knives. He's the throwing <laughs> knife guy. And when you think of all the different characters that uh, Antonio Banderas has to fight off in this movie, like all these sort of henchmen, sort of mini bosses, like Danny Trejo is kind of this sort of uh, video game boss sort of character because he's just this big dude who shows up at one point and he starts throwing knives at people. And I think he kills um, uh, Steve Buscemi's character and stuff. And I just think it's like it's kind of funny to think of it in like a video game sort of sense. And I feel like thinking of the movie Desperado, there's a bunch of characters who could make really fun sort of uh video like mini like mini bosses or sort of boss level characters and i just thought uh thinking of it in in that way it's really cool but i think when i think of danny trejo just because of how that character seems like so obvious like this is a character that should be in every action movie like the guy who is a knife throwing expert it's such an obvious character to come up with but it's also really unique in that not a lot of movies have this and i think because of that when I think of Danny Trejo, this might be the first character character I think of. And this might be the first movie that I've seen Danny Trejo in. Like when I think back on my lifetime and the movies I've seen. And I just think uh, I just think his really his role is really fun. I don't know if he has one dialogue line of dialogue in this film, but he gets that be that badass boss character for a little bit of the movie, which I think is just super, super fun. So I don't have too much to say about it, but Desperado is a really I think it's a really good movie overall. Like this one's really, really great. <laughs> so we matched. Awesome. Um, and I was wondering if we would, but as we were talking, I was like, man, maybe I'm pulling Desperado and I'm the only one. Um, yeah, dude, this movie, this movie caught me off guard. Like when I watched it, when I say caught me off guard, like in, in like the best way possible. Um, the, uh, the Danny Trey, the guy who throws knives, no lines of dialogue, <laughs> yeah. no lines of dialogue. Like there's no other way to word it, but he is the guy that throws knives. Just awesome. Um, the um the the that's such a cool part of the movie it's probably about halfway through the movie too it's it's really cool but this movie caught me off guard in the sense that it's such a simple story this is literally just a revenge story it's about a, it's about a guitar player who's doing his thing gets the crap beat out of him um he can't be a guitar player anymore so he's kind of like this roaming guy seeking revenge for uh you know taking his life away and um he he's like a figment of your imagination or he's like that. He's like he's essentially the Batman of the series story because no one believes he exists. And uh, the, the movie opens with Steve Buscemi, uh, the guitar player's friend, goes into this bar, orders a beer and starts telling a story about, you know, what happened. Uh, being at this other bar and this guy coming in is like just completely wrecking the place. So you get to watch this like action sequence of this guy like coming in and like just killing everybody. And uh, everyone's kind of like enthralled in the story. And then Semi leaves. <laughs> and then they're all kind of like, huh, OK, that was that was kind of weird. And interesting. And then suddenly, like. And uh, Antonio Banderas, who plays the guitar player, comes into the bar and everyone's kind of looking at him like, hold on, this guy matches the description of the dude from the story the guy was telling us. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just wrecks the place and just kills everyone. And it's 
it's just it's glorious in the sense that like within the first 20 minutes of the movie, you're like just at the edge of your seat. Like, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like you're in it from you're in it after the first five minutes of the movie. Like you're in. You're just like, this is cool. Where is this going? And then after Antonio Banderas just wrecks that bar when he finally comes in after that story you hear you're just you're just in it for the rest of the movie. You're just along with the adventure. You want to see it play out. It's just a good, good movie, man. And that's one I haven't watched in a while. But um, yeah, Danny Trejo, the guy who throws knives. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. And related to that bar scene, I just think that bar fight scene is such an awesome action scene. Like when you actually go back and watch it and watch the uh, choreography and how it's like, it's over the top, but it's also still really believable at the same time. It strikes like a really good balance there. And it's just such a bombastic, just so, such a fun um, action scene. Um, the one thing I was going to say now that I've said des- Desperado, I didn't realize this before um, coming in to the episode today. But when I look back at my list, I have fanboys and then four Robert Rodriguez films. <laughs> and that's what I was kind of laughing at myself halfway through. But I like Robert Rodriguez as a director a lot, and he obviously likes Danny Trejo a lot. So, you know, it was bound to happen. I just that was kind of making me crack up to myself halfway through the episode. Yeah. And uh, Danny Trejo uh, is uh, Robert Rodriguez because they're friends and work together for as long as they have. They are also um they Robert Rodriguez is going to be one of the directors for the Boba Fett series on Disney Plus. So I wonder if we'll get to see Robert Rodriguez make an appearance. Yeah, not absolutely. Rodriguez, not Robert Rodriguez, Danny Trejo make an appearance in The Mandalorian. No, no, I hear you. He di- Robert Rodriguez, did he direct an episode of Mandalorian? Uh, he directed the one where Boba Fett returned. OK, right. I, I, I remember. I remember the, title, that. the one that Boba Fett returned. And that one had a cool. I got to go back and watch it. I feel like it had a really cool Western vibe through it, yeah, but well, I have to, I don't me, know if I'm mixing episodes in my head though. So I have to go back and rewatch it. You know, let me rephrase, not the one where Boba Fett returned. It's the one where Boba Fett got his armor back. Okay. So, um, I don't, I, I'd have to go back and look at the title of it. Um, but it's the, I think it's like episode six, um, in the grouping six, maybe not six, five. I don't Yeah. Um, it's the one it's the it's one of the shortest ones, too. It's only. It, yeah, it's one of the shortest ones because everyone was like, it's the one where everyone was like, wow, that was short. But they crammed so much in. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um. Anyway, yeah, that kind of brings me to the end of the list. Everyone needs to see Desperado because it's fantastic. Um, Absolutely. I'm surprised nobody brought up Spy Kids, though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not surprised. I actually yeah. don't even think I've seen those movies. But anyways, go on. <laughs> um, well, it's your pick next week, man. So what do you want? What are we doing? Yeah, so this one's kind of a weird one, but I think this is going to be a really fun pick. Um, and it's so I, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. I want to talk about our top five worst times something has been spoiled for you. So you're like worst spoiler stories, because when I think of. uh movies and books and different entertainment that I've enjoyed. There's a couple times where I've had some really funny 
moments where something was spoiled. And I think it's just kind of an interesting topic um, within this realm of, you know, some I guess I was thinking about this because I was thinking about the Venom trailer and uh, some people might want to avoid trailers because they want to avoid spoilers. And uh, like I said, hopefully you have five of them, but I just think this would be a fun topic to tackle in general. And uh, if you don't have five, I'm kind of hoping you at least have witnessed a friend to have something spoiled or something like that. Cause I think stories like that are really funny as well. Um, I can tell you right now I have one right now. I guarantee it's my number one. And when I talk about it next week, the, uh, all of our listeners who know what I'm talking about are going to groan and say, yeah, that. <laughs> so absolutely. Was, That's the kind of stuff I'm hoping for. How so. about this? It is one of those. And I'm going to and by all means, hopefully this is a cliffhanger for next week to make you guys all tune in. But it is definitely one of those shots heard around the world. Spoilers. So, um, yeah, that's great. That's great. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, so, yeah, Peter, uh, that's another episode in the can. You want to close it out for the night? Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. Um, well, do us all a favor, everyone. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email, um, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up there on social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us at those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um and uh, you can leave us a review, which we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, And that's where I'll be brainstorming how to become my own video game boss character. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, everybody. I don't know if I'll be able <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to achieve knife throwing guy status, but uh, I'll work on it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, you'll work on it. Be the the guy who throws knives. Um, Maybe so, I'll be the rubber chicken guy. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Wow, that's threatening. Um, at any rate, <laughs> as long as you have a good pattern that I could follow and uh, figure out how to defeat you, that works for me. Absolutely. Um, all right. So for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.